Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And Brendan, we are coming to everyone on Friday, December 1st. We have reached the month of December. The winter meetings are in just a couple of days, unless there is an emergency podcast, which, of course, you guys know the CHGO Cubs team will be prepared to go live imminently uh, should such news break. Uh, but unless there is, this is the last podcast until the winter meetings have begun. And yes, Jed is there, hopefully wheeling and dealing, or maybe he's in Japan. I, I don't know, right? But uh, we made it to December, and and Brendan, uh, the the big move, of course, is the managerial position yes. for the Cubs. We're we're waiting for them to do stuff that gets us excited in terms of the actual folks taking the field and and playing baseball. Uh, but I'm excited for this episode, everybody. We have a full hour on Cubs bench coach Ryan Flaherty. Yes. I can't wait. This could be the biggest move of the offseason, Corey. Ryan Flaherty. Let me get in quickly and say that I'm kidding because I don't want people to turn the, the show off. That's well, not what we're doing. <laughs> well, you know, the Cardinals are making moves. Daniel Descalso is back with the Cardinals. We got our own the, guy. Yeah, the Cubs had to match they we had to match, to match it. Move. The value yeah. of Daniel Descalso. You have to match it with Ryan Flaherty. I can't believe you just said that name twice. You know, I'm in a good mood. I have a feeling, whether it's justified or not, that Shohei Otani might sign before the winter meetings. I really do. I really genuinely think that's going to happen. Like with the Chicago Cubs? You don't believe that. I'm slowly starting oh, to no, believe No, you're in with it. me and Cody. I'm oh, good start. luck, dude. I mean, I'm slowly starting to think about it. If you think about it, my my big holdup with the Shohei was that L.A., West Coast, weather, environment. But if he's going to be living in Japan during the winter, come on to Chicago. Go to the best summer city in the country. Go to that beautiful field, the beautiful city. Why not? I've heard it's beautiful and historic. That's what some people say. Right. I don't know. As you know, like Cody and I, our, our guy Braggs, who just had his birthday the other day, we're all in. We've been all in. You and I talking to our friend Ryan Tomier every day. He's in. I, I get a sense a lot of Cubs Twitter is like really hinging their off season and like just general mental well-being and happiness on this. I have said I'm in. I believe it's possible. I want it. I'm going to be hurt if it doesn't happen, but I have said every time anybody asks, right, I it's always been L.A. And unless that, until I see it in writing, you and I said it when we were discussing that kind of like what's the most stunning thing that could happen, right? It 
anybody but the Dodgers. I, I still believe yeah. that. So for as much as I'm in, I, I have not wavered in that. Like that's always been the prohibitive favorite. It's always been the betting favorite and for good reason, right? So until something changes, that's my feeling. But as I've stated the whole time, I do believe they're really in on it, which, you know, yeah. there's no consolation prizes here. But if it's a, if it is a decision that he has not yet made, because there's some reports that suggest he's kind of always known where he wants to go and he just needs to get the right deal and use the leverage and yada, yada. But if there, if there's convincing, if, if that initial place is not Chicago and there is convincing that is possible, Jed is trying. They're trying, which for right now is all that we can ask. He, Jed did say at the, uh, pre GM meetings or they, they are called the GM meetings. He did say that he believed the Cubs had a legitimate chance at Shohei in 2017. So if the city and geography were that much of a hindrance, you would imagine they would not have believed they were that far in on Shohei. So I'm yeah, starting well, to think this is going to happen. Yeah, I'm slowly the thinking that. The, the counter to that is, is that prior to that, he hadn't lived in Southern California. Now he's gotten an affinity for Southern California, but just would prefer to not play for the loser Anaheim Angels. That's so. fair. I have no response to that. Uh, right. So we'll as see. I'm in Look, Southern California right now. So we'll see. Uh, I think the hope was that this wrapped up somewhere around the winter meetings, maybe a little after, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, obviously a huge domino to fall. The teams that do not get this we're obviously prepared to offer up a ton of money, a ton of years, a ton of innings, not next year in their rotation, but in the years following a spot in their lineup at DH that they will not be doing any of that. So that's obviously a big pivot that these other organizations are going to have to make. And we'll see if that is the Cubs or not. So obviously we all wait here with bated breath and We'll proceed together. I would imagine we'll do a, an emergency show as a group wherever he signs, I think, just to break that down. If it's with the Cubs, obviously, to celebrate no. a life-changing moment. If he doesn't sign the Cubs, I'm not, I'm not coming on in that all show. Of our lives. That, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, you know, what now? What then, right? So either direction, I think we'll be there live with you. On today's show, uh, you know, we'll talk about some of the rumors that are going around. I think it's going to be another pitching-centric episode as we have the pitch doctor here sipping on his red wine if you're not watching us on youtube uh we'd invite you to i think it's cool brendan has graphs uh to see uh but obviously if you are a loyal listener on your podcast feed hello to you as well um we'll talk about some of those rumors talk about pitching talk a little bit about some of the bullpen stuff i was in the studio with cody and ryan the other day we talked a little bit about the cubs kind of constantly now maybe not just because of craig council but being connected to a guy like josh Hader, which on the surface seems antithetical to the way the cubs have operated for several years now right especially when you look at some of the projected or like you know even thought about contracts for him which is several years and a lot of money which is six not, years 110 which million? i think was from mlb trade rumors yeah, is that that's right absurd yeah i mean that would be unlike anything the cubs have done for ever. a reliever uh, yeah i was gonna say ever um right i don't even know what's close um i mean even when they signed kimbrell that was for what two years Th- a I year and a half three years 39 mil right okay to be exact right so this would be yeah. si- the rumor on mlb trade rumors would be like literally double what was a uh, Latroy Hawkins thing. contract back oh, in the day? Oh, stop! What? It, what? 
I don't know why the thought came to me. I'm in one of those moods. Man. I mean, are we talking like bad relievers? You want to do like Bob Howery, Will Omen, Scott Ayer? Stop. Stop. We're just guys being dudes naming old relievers. Mike Mike Reblinger, why not? Yeah. I actually like Mike Reblinger. He was good. Yeah, I mean, a crafty lefty at times. Yeah. He was a lefty, right? Or no, am I making that up? No, no, no. He had a, so he was a righty, like an mm-hmm. older righty. He had like a, a grayish yes. type of Grizzled beard. veteran. Grizzled number 37, yes. I believe. Absolutely. Why do I remember that? Why is that in my brain? Who knows? The same way that you and I can spell Grizzlelanic, like it's the back of Well, you know, I can't even say Palatine on this show, so I'm not even going to try to <laughs> spell. I get my C's and my S's mixed up, and I like actually say the letter. I'm not even going to try the company we work for is CHGO, not SHGO. Not SHGO. Yeah. Well, so you know. well, the Shohei Otani signs. We have to might have to change it, right? Possibly. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about all of that. Uh, the reason I bring up the hater thing is like obviously the Cubs have a new manager, potentially different bullpen philosophy. Brendan will look into a little bit of that of like maybe on the surface what's different between how he and David Ross may handle a bullpen and just kind of squaring that with like maybe do the Cubs loosen their philosophy on how they build a bullpen, right? I I still think, and we'll get into it, but I think like at six years, that's nuts. I would be stunned if they did something like that. It's just not how they operate. That's not it. That being said, we talked about the other day, I think on Wednesday when I was in the studio, like maybe it does make sense that they don't just sign like 35 and over like veterans to see if they're still good or reclamation projects that used to be good three years. Maybe there's like a middle ground to the kind of piece it together model and the let's spend a ton of money and and years and stuff like that. And it might be in the form of spending more on your rotation too. You know, they've been connected to glass now, uh, you know, Shane Bieber, perhaps Uh, Dylan Cease is on the market. So it might be, Filling up that bullpen by what are you smiling at over there? I was smiling, smiling at the notion of if the White Sox traded Dylan Cease <laughs> back to the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I, I, you know, our guy Sean Anderson. I, I don't know. I don't. Think I'm into it. I, I don't think he's coming into the studio anymore. I think Sean would be done. Is that I think it he's for just him? done? <laughs> well, the Cubs have a precedence for acquiring cost-controlled, team-controlled White Sox starters. Sure, wouldn't it be the first time? That's yeah. all I'm saying. Great. Yeah. And we loved it the first time. So let's let's do it again. Not doing that again. Anyway. Talk about that guy. Um, uh, let's start with this. As the winter meetings come up, that's always, it doesn't always work this way. Some winter meetings are way more interesting than others, right? But does it, I don't want to say concern, but, but how do you feel that we, we went into this offseason raising the expectations for the Cubs, right? needing a lot of things to be better come 2024 and just having a higher overall standard stemming from not only our own beliefs of what this organization should be, but the quotes from the upper management. Last year wasn't good enough. Y'all said it, right? We all think it and said it, but you guys just said it too, like verbatim. So everybody raised a standard. Here we are. It's December 1st as we come to everybody on this fine Friday, and they have addressed nothing on this roster, right? They've gotten better at the managerial position. I don't think anybody's questioning that. I think in a significant way, right? Your your president showed that he's cutthroat. He's making the moves, like whatever to get done. As far as the roster's concerned, Marcus Stroman's gone. Cody Bellinger's gone. They're available, but currently they're gone. And you haven't done anything else to sort of shore this stuff up. 
Does that concern you at all? Or with the way the market's kind of going? Not really. Not really. It's still so early, right? Famous last words, but Shoei Otani is a domino. Juan Soto is another domino. We're talking about two players historically who have never been available. Like Juan Soto at his value and age has never been available on the open market, on the trade market. Shoei Otani, half a billion dollar guy, he's never been available. So this is legitimately a historical offseason. So a lot of concern might be warranted, but also things are going to move at a pace that is unfamiliar to us. If we're talking about this towards end of December, yeah, of course I'm worried about yeah. this. If we're talking about this even five days from now, you know, we'll see what happens. It did take the Cubs some time last year to shore up their big signing, and we liked it. It worked yeah. out well. They did Absolutely. make secondary moves during the meetings with Bellinger and uh, Tyone, but until those meetings progress, I'm not going to freak out. That's where the majority of the news breaks. And again, as I said earlier, my expectation is that Shoei Otani will sign before the meetings because there's only a handful of teams. And he likely has been talking to these teams for a while now because they want to get that out of the way. To have a guy on your payroll with an annual average value possibly a 40 plus million right you need to sink that you can't really proceed yeah you can't proceed so of course teams are going to feel a sense of urgency to get it done before the meetings well and that's it's an interesting thing like i i i think it'll be very interesting however it shakes out to kind of see if we get any information on the process obviously it's it's been clear that it's shohei and his camp's preference that this process not be getting out right now in terms of like the actual details. And it seems as though everybody's following suit with that because other than the random, like people claiming they heard something of interest, you don't don't believe that I do not know. Um, like I, I, we haven't heard very much, right? Like there's little rumors of teams that might be in this process, but we've heard nothing on potential contract, numbers. We have no concrete information on like when he's visited anybody or what those visits like included, you know, I mean, even when they film like seasons of the bachelor, there's spoilers on, Oh, I saw them at the Grove, right? Like in LA or something like that. We got nothing. I used to live this. over there by the Grove right across That's the street. I said it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Thank so you. it's, it, but what I, what I mean is it's going to be interesting to see because like you think of this from like Jed's perspective, right? Like I genuinely believe they're in this and I think they're going to submit an offer and a proposal and a presentation that is on par with anybody else. The stuff they can't offer, they can't offer, right? They can't change the weather in Chicago. They can't move the city closer to Japan, et cetera, et cetera, right? But the stuff they can, I believe they're going to, and I think it's going to be competitive. But if, if you're Jed, right? Like the industry seems to have believed it's been LA all along, right? That's everybody's sort of sense. So if you're Jed, you got a lot of holes to fill, right? So I wonder, it's fascinating to think as someone in charge of an operation like this, how do you balance these things, right? You go into this process making an earnest effort and wanting to get it done. But if you maybe have a sense and maybe he doesn't, but like if there's a sense of like, are we really the favorite for this? Like, what if we don't get him? I got a lot of work to do, 
right? It's just sort of a fascinating, like, how do you balance that? You know, because like we see things like, oh, the Yankees and Soto are heating up. And if you're Jed, you're like, oh, man, I really want Juan Soto, but only if we don't get Otani, but I can't do the one without knowing the other. It's a it's a tricky spot, Brendan. Get it done. It's your job. You get paid a ton of money to do it. You know, can't multitask. That's... Give me the phone. I'll call both arrangements right now. Okay, well, no, but I mean, I was I was saying to your point of like, if you you're going to take on a 40 plus million dollar contract, how do you know what else you can do? Yeah, you have to, it's, it's beyond just the cups too. Exactly right. Like you can't project a payroll if you have right. a potential slot at 40 to 50 million, even for the Dodgers who are still under the tax like the Cubs and the Yankees who need to be competitive. They need yeah. to understand what does my team look like? When right. I go into winter meetings. Yeah. So very fascinating. I'm with you though. Um, I'm fine. I'm getting impatient. Like I, just because there's so much Why? they need to do. It's, it's, it's I, December there's a lot 1st, they need to do, dude. man. But no, it's, it's okay because the market hasn't moved that much. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people that they're tied to are still available. There's options everywhere. Um, so it is what it is. I'm just impatient. Um, but you know, I think there are things that they can do in the interim. And I think like that's why you hear so much about the pitching market, right? They are connected seemingly every day now to Tyler Glass now in Tampa Bay. Uh, they've been connected to Shane Bieber out of Cleveland. Um, they're obviously, we talked last week about, you know, the guys out of Japan, Yamamoto, Imanaga, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like they're going to be connected to these. Uh, so I, I did want to talk about, I, I think Glassnow and Shane Bieber are a similar conversation, but we can center it on Tyler because that one seems to be the name that's coming up more. Bruce Levine added to that chatter on Thursday afternoon, I think. Yeah. And it had already been kind of out there, like that just connection. good to get confirmation. <clears throat> And like, you know, yeah, like hearing it from Bruce is just like more smoke to that fire. Um, so I'll throw it to you. Like, I, I think it's a two-part question. So firstly, like the general um, info on Glass now, one-year contract, uh, 25 mil. Obviously, he's had some injury concerns, missed some time in certain seasons, things like that. Um, but obviously very good when he's out there, right? We've seen him on the big stage uh, at times with the Rays here in the last several years. What do you think of the move in general? If it were for one year, just making the trade to bring him over, eating that money, if that's what it is, because the Rays need to get out from it. And then further, would that move in, in a vacuum alone address the the rotation or would there need to be more supplemental moves still to be made? First off, Glass now would be one of the best stuff starting pitchers the Cubs have ever had. He actually might be the best north to south pitcher from a from a carry four seam to a curveball slider they've had since Mark Pryor. I can't remember in the past 20 years having a pitcher who can throw mid to upper 90s with that carry at that stature with that sharp curveball. You can point to Jake Arrieta in 2015, that dominant second half. 
Arietta was cross-fire towards third base with a two-seamer, a very tight cutter slider, and a curveball that wasn't really his dominant pitch type compared to a slider and cutter that season. This is a completely different pitcher. If you look at how Glasnow grades by, let's say, pitching bot, that machine learning score that grades from a 20 to an 80 on that scale, his four-seam fastball grades an 80 out of 80, dude. That's the best four-seam fastball in Major League Baseball, according to the stuff that gets input that model, including velocity, including release point, including horizontal and vertical break, etc. Then you look at his off-speed pitches. He has two to pair with that four-seam. He has a curveball and he has a slider. His slider is around 90 miles per hour. It looks very similar to what you see from Adbert Alzali. Then you have a curveball that can match in that same window that goes a little bit more south at 80 to 83 miles per hour. He is a very diverse pitcher that can handle all-star lineups whose only concern is health and stamina. And that's the limitation. Do the Cubs want to invest a prospect, two prospects, in addition to taking over $25 million against their luxury tax. If they do that right now, if they trade a prospect, a mid-tier prospect, and pay him $25 million, they will be about $25 million under that first level of the luxury tax. Now, if they trade for him, they will be about... 65 under the very top tier tax before you start losing draft picks. For me, you get this deal done now as fast as you can. And to your second point of that question, still acquire starting pitching depth. Glasnow's not enough. But my thinking is if you get him to October, if you get him to September in a playoff hunt, healthy, ready to go every fifth day, ready to go every time he needs to take the ball in a playoff situation, that's ideal. And the way to get him there is spread out perhaps the outings in April, May, June, have a six-man go once every five to six weeks, ensure that depth, ensure that your lower back end of the rotation is not going three, four innings at a time. That's how you do that. And if the Cubs are serious about spending money and being competitive in this window, Assuming they're not going to go over that third tier of the tax, by acquiring glass now, you still have an enormous pool of money to spend, even on Shohei Otani. So this, to me, is a no-brainer. It's essentially substituting Stroman's commitment before the opt-out with Tyler Glass now. And if you want to play the high-extreme game, there's no other high-extreme starting pitcher in baseball than Tyler Glass now. Right. And for me, he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. He is, he is so good, dude. That stuff is next level. Yeah, and I, there was a good, I saw our friend Brett from Bleacher Nation tweeting about this earlier today and kind of a good, just like a little bit of a note. He was he was talking about how like, uh, you know, obviously Glasnow's missed time and I think he's considered someone that is injury prone, if you want to use that phrase. I don't like that phrase, but, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, but he pointed out that it's, it's not necessarily like it's the same injury popping up or it's 10 different injuries over the years. It's a few that have cost him a ton of time. Whether that makes you feel any better is up to you. But 
So like Brett was pointing out, he had a forearm strain in 2019. It cost him half the season. Then his elbow popped in 2021, which obviously happened in 2021 and then cost him most of 2022. Oblique strain this year delayed his debut. So again, that's not meant to be like, oh, who cares? He's you know, fine. like He's it, it's, it's obviously innings. stuff you have to worry about. It's going to be a huge factor in this move and the price that any team, including the Cubs, would pay for it. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. But it's it's just to suggest maybe just adding some color to it rather than just thinking, oh, this guy just gets injured every single year. That's right. not entirely how to look at it, right? right? In some cases, it's one injury that then affects multiple seasons, things like that. Right. Again, this is all factored into it. And as you said, Brendan, the key to me would be, I think this, I like this type of move. And I think I would feel similarly about Bieber, uh, you know, has also I actually dealt- would not. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah. In the sense, n- not that they're the same pitcher, but in the sense that you make a move for someone who is not necessarily trustworthy, right? In the sense that you cannot lean on them as a 30 start, 180 inning plus kind of guy. You cannot count on them or shouldn't count on them being that like every fifth day, we're going to run them into the ground, like grinder type starter, but they represent, as you said, just huge potential upside. So you pair that with, it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone safe, but even like if you paired that with Imanaga from Japan, who's got that was that right there, that combo done, sign it. I'm happy. He's a little older, right? He's 30. So yeah. he's not going to command as much as Yamamoto. You I think when we were talking about so. that last week, we had read the Mark Feinstein tweet before he had to amend it because he wrote it really confusingly. We were he phrased it as though Imanaga would would be getting two hundred million, and and you and I were both like, "That's a lot for a guy that's 30. And then like an hour yeah. later, Mike Fe- Mark Feinstein was like, "I was talking about Yamamoto." getting 200 million so what did he say so so did he just less it's the 200 million was for yamamoto thank, thank you yes. i appreciate that my point being you're there's still risk of course bringing imanaga over right but like the way you're pairing that is like okay we're sort of hedging the risk of a guy coming over and having to translate to a new league making those adjustments things like that we're we're hedging that with a guy who if we can keep him healthy for a certain number of starts can be really good at yeah. the MLB level and we know that and we can use our prospects and I for I, I don't I mean even for you and I are terrible at the hypothetical trade thing but like I don't think the that. price for glass knob especially because it's 25 million and because of his history like I you know I, I, are we even talking like a top 10 prospect here? I, it I sounds like they so. want, they, it sounds like they would be interested in guys who could potentially pitch at the major league level. So you're thinking, how about like, Caleb Killian? Well, or Hayden Wisniewski, or I've seen Keegan Thompson's name thrown around. Yeah, you do him, fun. you take the money, you throw in a mid level prospect. Like maybe that gets it done. I don't know. Right. I'm terrible yeah. at that game. But it, either way, it's not going to be something that makes us all go, no, like not him. You know, I don't PCA? think that's what we're talking about. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, let's do this ad break here. We'll come back around. You want to talk about Bieber at the end of this? I'm curious as to yeah, your thoughts it. on it. Sure, let's yeah. It. And and, right. and if you can, I think it would be helpful to articulate what you think the difference is in acquiring one versus the other. Okay, so let's do this ad break here and then we'll get back to that. 
First one here from Varsity Coolers. If you need the perfect bag for game day, Varsity Coolers has you set and beyond with the best portable cooler and weekender duffel around. They have a unique design. It doubles as a cooler. It's waterproof and double insulated insulated and a travel duffel. It fits in a golf cart or as a carry-on luggage. It's also the perfect Christmas or Hanukkah or holiday gift. Built to show up in style to any party or if you want to rep your team, they have 21 team colors. You can also use it as a gym bag. I'm looking right now at a Bears duffel. Looks very good on the YouTube channel. You can get this if you head over to varsitycoolers.us and use code CHGO at checkout for 10% off your order. Second break here from Goose Island CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company. Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a very deep beer roster. They have the Beer Hug family, the Oktoberfest, the 312 Wheat Ale, the Full Pocket Pilsner. By now, everyone knows this is what Cody Del Mendo chugs during his beer bats. Grab ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. And before I continue here, I do want to mention uh, this whole Palatine controversy. Please. Listen. This is your chance to speak to the Listen. People. I read ads off my computer screen. Sometimes I don't know if what I'm saying is what's appearing on the paper as it sounds. I have done thousands of ads, dozens of thousands of ads. You, Corey, and everyone else, don't do these ads like I do. I have one slip-up, one slip-up, okay? <laughs> one. I've been doing this forever. That's the only slip-up I have, and I get called out for it completely uncalled for. Completely uncalled for. I think you for it because it feels disrespectful to Mike Talkman. Listen, man, I didn't they even know. They said Palatine on the broadcast a thousand times. I did not even know what I said until you corrected me. I even asked you last episode, like, did I say Palatine? Of course I know it's Palatine. Come on now. Come on. Slander. And no one came to my defense. Not even you. Not, I, I I'm the read. one that made fun of you in the first place. Of this is I did. all your fault. Yeah. All, you never have my back. No. You're like right. Jed Hoyer. You would anyway, stab me in the back. I'm ruthless. Cold-blooded. I can tell. Um, I'm like Mac from Always Sunny. I play both sides so that I always come out on top, Brendan. All right. Let's get back to the potential trade stuff. Talk to me about Shane Bieber. Now, I, I should I should clarify, though, like the Glass Now stuff, if you're reading like Twitter tea leaves, that's yeah. way more a thing, right? I think the Bieber thing, I'm not sure I've heard too much of, just maybe like a loose connection because it – kind of maybe makes sense and Cleveland is always one of those teams that like maybe guys are available things like that the glass now stuff is like picking up steam like I said Bruce Levine talked about it on Thursday uh was reading again from Bleacher Nation that Jesse Rogers was talking about glass now and the Cubs like so it does seem to be something that is like actually being talked about yeah I mean, I think it's noteworthy to point out how different Bieber is as a pitcher. And at the preface, I have no problem for the Cubs acquiring Bieber. I will get on board with that. It requires a different set of complementary moves. I have a reason that I don't want him, and I don't think you'll allow me to say it on the air. What, but it's kind of funny. When you say something like that, you already said 
All right. You talk to me about Daniel Descalso tonight. So, I mean, I don't even know where you're going with this. It's someone whose name is on the banned list. Can I say okay. it? Sure. Go for it. I don't remember what season it was at this point. It must have been 2021 then, now, now that I'm putting it together. Oh, when they boy. were in Cleveland, Eric Sogard took him deep. Why does that even come to your brain? Because that's the first thing I think of when I think of Shane you think Bieber. The first thing you think of, of Shane Bieber's Eric Sogard. That Eric Sogard hit a home run off. I don't even, I couldn't even tell. Actually, I do remember that. I really do. And I was going to say, I don't know how you remember that, but I remember it too because I'm yeah. sick. I'm sick like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is, we've given, we've given too much time to yeah. these guys. All right. That's it. All right. Talk to no me. No more. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So Shane Bieber, compared to 2020, even 2021, He's he's a different pitcher now. He's gone through a series of arm injuries, even dating back to last season, missed about two months with an elbow injury, he's had a shoulder injury. As a result, his stuff is much different. In 2021, he was throwing 93 miles per hour on average. In 2020, 94 miles per hour on average. Last season, about 91 and a half. So we're talking about a two to three mile per hour drop. We're also talking about stuff and how it grades. Glasnow's fastball grades as an 80 out of 80, but for Bieber, it's a 39 out of 80. That's essentially one standard deviation below the league. So he's different. He's almost like a softer version of Marcus Stroman, I will say. When I say softer, I mean in projecting value, where a Stroman has, has some injuries, their broken rib. He hasn't had the severity of two arm injuries in the past three seasons. Now, for Bieber, he's still valuable. If you look at his numbers last season, even in shorter innings, 128 innings, 3.8 ERA, 3.87 FIP, I will take that. The way he's doing that is through weak contact, 7.5 K per nine versus... too much of that. Too much contact, right? And that's kind of the no, crux of the issue. we have too much of that. Yeah. Yeah, we have too yeah. much contact. That's kind of the crux of the issue. 2021, he had a K per nine of 12 and a half batters per game. So it's it's very different. Okay. Now, the difference between Glasnow and Bieber, that is an advantage for Bieber, if you prefer him, is just, it's the money. So he'll be due next season around 12 million or so given what he's projected in arbitration so you're talking about half the commitment which may allow Jed to go out and get an extra pitcher if he wants to go out and get a high priority reliever as for example Josh Hader if those rumors are indeed valid so that's where the difference lies but if we're going by pitcher alone and who I feel most comfortable heading a playoff rotation, assuming both those guys are healthy, it's glass now 100 out of 100 times. That's why I feel very differently about the two ultimately. Yeah. All right. That is uh, certainly fair. And I think, right, like one of the things we talked about a ton is like needing more swing and miss, power pitching. To. Like they have a ton of guys that can manage contact. They have some guys that are the best at managing soft contact. And even in like, the bullpen too, like the bullpen right. gives up too much contact. At some point, you got to miss bats. Somebody on the pitching staff needs to just throw the ball past people, right? And to some degree, not everything, but the Cubs run differential was plus like what, 100 last year? They had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but there's still a degree of randomness that if they had sequenced better, maybe they would have been in the playoffs. All it took was two games.
Right. All right. So uh, the, the the thing with them too, right? Like I know, depending on the package, like people are always wary about that. I think people are going to be wary about guys that have, you know, had injury concerns, things like that. But like this falls into that same category to me of when we've talked about like Juan Soto or something, yeah. not, not the same caliber of player, but in terms of what we've talked about before, where I think it's important to remember that eat, not every player the Cubs bring in needs to be on the same timeline as like Craig Council's contract or Dansby's contract, right? 2024 is an opportunity for the Cubs to compete and win a championship or at least win the division or get back into the playoffs. And so if somebody comes over, let's say it's Tyler Glass now and he's only here for a year, fine. That makes them better for a year. Not every move you make can exist on the same timeline. The idea you have to sometimes make moves that are future oriented. And Jed has talked about that a lot about being conscious of moves that mortgage the future too much, right? For a singular moment. But a move like this is not going to be doing that. I don't think any of the moves that we're talking about are going to be mortgaging the future, right? Those types of moves are when you're trading for several years of cost-controlled players and having to ship off top prospects. That's not really any of the things that we've been talking about, frankly, right? Yeah. So I just say that because I think it's an important thing for people to remember, right? Because I think there's this weird like trepidation about, well, what if he doesn't sign an extension or it's just one year? Should we give up that for one year of somebody? Yeah. It makes them better in 2024. That that opportunity to win is exactly equal to all the other ones, right? You don't know when prospects are going to develop. You don't know how the free agent market's going to play out, trades, things like that. You have to sometimes make moves that just make you better right now. And yeah. it, that's okay. I think that the, the way I've started to think about like one-year windows has changed over the last, I don't know, three, three four years. In principle, I've never been... The game has changed. The game has changed, but in principle, I've never been like, oh, rebuilds are good. I will say that. But to your point, the game has changed. And I think if you look at 2025, there's so many ways to make that team better that I am more willing to risk. 2025, what what do you mean? What I mean by that is if you're concerned about only having these guys for one year, Mm. right? There's so many ways to improve in 2025 if those guys don't resign that you can be good. So my thinking is, you know what? That's a huge unknown. I am now, compared to four or five years ago, more aggressive up front. I will give up more prospects. I will give up more money to get Juan Soto and Tyler Glass now because there's going to be development that is surprising that turns out to be a plus for the Cubs. And likewise, there is going to be bust some of these prospects don't work out. And you can look no further than the opposite side of Chicago where the White Sox, they lost, what, 100 games last year? Probably. I don't know. Right? That was a low probability right. outcome, even from the Cubs fans' perspective. But All of happens. us were shocked. Yeah. It happens. And I think it happens maybe not more than it used to, but the way I think about it has changed. So there's an well, opportunity I mean, I, to you know, get I these guys. I think the opposite to that is you look at a team like the Padres, right? And That's none of another this is good apples to apples, but they sort of had the opposite approach. Let's lock up everybody forever, 
right? And then your TV deal fell and through. Then if, <laughs> right. It, well, then your TV deal falls through or you aren't getting the performance that you wanted, but it's difficult to switch things up because you've built this core that exists for 10 years, right? And if yeah. you want to change it, you got to get somebody money or give you something of substantial value for those things like there's opposite sides of the coin even if you build this like no we're going to have this like strong foundation for eight years like well maybe the foundation cracks right and it was awfully expensive and it's not easy to fix right so there there's different ways to go about it but i i do think like i i like talking that through occasionally because a lot of the names we're talking about are not long-term solutions, yeah. right? And I mean, I feel like it, it was only 18 million, but Cody Bellinger is such a good example of, of this last year, right? They signed him for one year. They didn't trade anybody to get him, but they signed him for one year. There was obvious risk, right? 18 million for a guy who hadn't, who had been really bad, right? But it, it, it offered the opportunity to improve the team for the one year that he was here. And what did he do? exactly that right yeah. like i wish now that they had him longer but in terms of making that one year commitment like that's okay like sometimes things can just help you right now and then as we've said before like you're a team that has big resources if tyler glass now leaves in a year open your wallet and fix the problem then like you have the the ability to do that it's it's a delicate balance right because sometimes one year deals are also not good sometimes one-year deals when they start accumulating prohibit you from making deals at the deadline michael fulmer for example with the injury history ended up costing them and cost them a move at the trade deadline for a reliever that may have been more stable so in one sense i would like them to spend and i like the idea of having short-term commitments and being aggressive but if we relate last season in how they spent their one-year deals to me I didn't like that. I'd rather spend more money on a singular player than spread it out and play that risky yeah, game. And, I and that even I, that even goes, I know it's crazy to say, but that even goes to the thinking of Cody Bellinger. That was a, Cody Bellinger met every single dream scenario of the Cubs. But you and I had discussion last season that, if we sign Cody Bellinger, where else are you going to get that projectable offense? So I'm not going to be playing this game of like, oh, you know, the 99th percentile projection of this guy is, is going right, to be an MVP right. type player. No, I need the 50th percentile projection to be an all-star player. That means you got to spend $30 million. You got to go on trade PCA. You got to go on and make these moves while investing, getting the very best development team in your system. And that is always the goal. I know they're trying to do that, but that's the execution that you and I dream about that's necessary for long-term stability yeah and i think you know uh, finishing on the glass now thing and then we'll come back and talk about some of the relief stuff um yeah. there would be risk there right and for a team that has holes and needs to get better that would ha that would be a calculated risk right can we keep him healthy can we maximize how we stretch out his starts and get him to September and the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, which is why I think you would look for one, like a supplementary move if you did it. And it doesn't have to be one of those guys um, out of Japan. It could be a, a depth piece for the, but something that's, a you know, a little more like here, we're going to pencil this in and we can just kind of count on this guy to give us yeah. 25, 30 starts of this caliber, right? Yeah. 
And it, it's also because you need that depth. We talked about that too. Obviously, there's a risk there, but there's so much like there, there's so many like unknowns and uncertainties, even with the depth that the Cubs have, right? Is Kyle Hendricks able to continue at the form he was at? Is Jordan Wicks able to continue developing and make adjustments as the league adjusts back to him in his first full year at the majors? Does Javier Assad get an opportunity to start? Does he make those same adjustments that we're talking about for Jordan Wicks? Justin Steele, like second, uh, you know, full year, like at this capacity, if you will, or third, however you want to look at that, right? Um, You know, is he able to keep this up? Does he get better, right? Like there's a lot of questions. Who knows with Jamison Tyone, right? I I have no idea, right? So getting glass now would offer you the opportunity, the ceiling that is extremely high, right? One of the best ceilings in the league, but there's risk. So pair it with something that's a little more stable and that's your starting pitching spending for the off season. And I think you feel very good about that depth. And that doesn't even really get into does, you know, someone like Kate Horton get in the discussion, do other guys from your minor leagues move their way up and get in the discussion. I think you'd feel pretty good about that group, but I don't think you can just make one of those trades like singularly. I think there's no. too much, too much. And risk. they never, they never are. We talk yeah. about them sometimes in singular context, but they're, they're made with a variety of secondary moves to come. Right. Do this ad break here, come back, talk about the bullpen. On my mind is like bullpen usage and Adbert Alzali, for example. So I do want to talk about that. But first break here, Charlie, the bacon guy, Corey, is based out of Woodridge, Illinois, and he makes craft bacon and bacon jams in over 30 different flavors. The bacon and bacon jams are an all-naturally cured Fancy, preservative-free product. There aren't any ingredients that Charlie can't pronounce himself involved in the process, unlike most store-bought bacon. It's also vacuum-sealed and freezes great. It lasts in the package up to 45 days in the fridge and six months in the freezer. The bacon jam lasts about 60 days in the fridge, usually 20 seconds in my house, but also up to six months in the freezer. Some great favorites are the maple pepper, the French toast flavor, the buffalo ranch, jalapeno, garlic, a lot of different flavors. They also had just basic ones like the original bourbon, spicy, or even peach. The bacon jam goes perfectly on anything in scrambled eggs, toast, crackers, burgers, grilled cheese, cinnamon rolls, or Charlie's favorite, the spoon. You can pick up- Or Corey's favorite, pizza. Or or pizza. That I didn't know about you. We'll have to talk about, about that yeah. after afterwards. You can pick it up or- Charlie will deliver it to you, meet you halfway, or even ship it. He makes the bacon so you can bring it home starting now until December 15th. You can save 10% off on your order or at charliethebaconguy.com. When you use CHGO, get your orders in and use that code to save. Second break here from Empire. With Empire today, you get to shop at your home convenience, the right product for your needs, quick and professional installation, and a low price guarantee. Empire today is the best place to get new flooring, so of course they have copycats. But Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, speed, so competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise you the lowest prices because anyone who does that is putting flooring in your home home that they would not put in their own. 
They also have a virtual floor designer that is a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in your room. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGL. That is a massive discount, $350. Restrictions do apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. All right, Brandon, let's talk some bullpen stuff. So I talked with yes. Cody and Ryan on Wednesday kind of about the hater connection. Um First of all, as I said on the show on Wednesday, I think I would have some tweets to delete about Josh Hader. Uh, I don't think I've been kind to him. Justifiably Uh, so, by the way. He deserved that. He did deserve that. Um, He also gave up a homer to Jason Hayward one time, Ildemaro Vargas. I don't know. I remember every bad hitter that's ever hit a home run. I was going to say, but I don't want to go down that directory again. So. I would be very surprised if the Cubs, again, the the MLB trade rumors projection was six years for a ton of money. I would be stunned, floored, if the Cubs gave a a six-year contract to a reliever. Yeah, so would I. I don't want them to do that. That's bad business, right? Like, that stuff is rarely a good idea. Likely not going to work out. Um, Yeah. So I'm not in at that level, but... As we were kind of talking, and I, I will sort of seed th- it to you here to kind of walk us through maybe at least on your first perusal of this, like the differences between Council and Ross and how they might go about things or the way they might implement a particular staff. Uh, but as I was saying, like I do think that there is some – I understand the idea that maybe the Cubs would be a little more flexible in that area than they have been in the past. The bullpen – place this if you if you had to pick a singular thing to blame for why the Cubs didn't make the playoffs up to you what you wanted to pick I think a lot of the people in our YouTube chat would have picked David Ross right well they fixed that if that's what you believed <laughs> it was the bullpen right it like was. it just it just was the bullpen and I don't think it was necessarily the fault of the guys in the bullpen I think it was the fault of the people that built the bullpen it was not good enough to get through what they needed to get through it just wasn't and I think they knew that at the trade deadline or they should have known that and they only added Jose Quas. So, right. That's what I think is if I had to pick one thing. So given that, I don't think you over course correct, right. And say, well, we're just going to spend all our money on a bullpen because we're not letting that happen again. But I think you can be a little more flexible in saying, okay, like instead of signing what was he at the time? 35-year-old David Robertson and hoping he still has that kind of like Michael top-level closer Ryan stuff. Zipera, et cetera, et cetera. You and like, Chafin. Right. Like you go up a little bit and say, you yeah. know what? We are going to devote some resources and years to shoring this up in a way that we can feel more confident in. But six years, man. I, I Boy, would I hate that. I <laughs> Just would be so surprised if Jed did that. I wouldn't be surprised if another team did it. We saw Edwin Diaz get, you know, five years. Um, Yeah. It has happened, right? So I'm not going to be surprised if he gets that. How Jed has operated has never been in that 
type of commitment. I mean, he gave right. seven years to Dansby Swanson, who's like the foundational gold glove defender. Right? And robust and every other defense, you know, shortstop yeah. because it was too many years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it just would be very surprising. Now, given how the Cubs have operated in years past versus how Craig Council and Milwaukee's operated has been quite different. And it does pique my interest how things would change as a result. So I'm going to show a graph here. And what you're going to see is a difference between how the Milwaukee Brewers operated versus the Cubs in reliever usage, specifically multi-inning games. Okay, So if you look at this chart, you're going to see two distributions. There's a yellow distribution. That's Milwaukee's distribution of relievers who averaged one inning, one and a half inning, or two innings per outing. And you're going to see a blue distribution, likewise, of Cubs relievers who pitched one, one and a half, two, two and a half innings. What you're looking at here is the peak, which is the majority of Brewers relievers pitched on average one inning per outing. That means they're used in one inning burst. Come in the seventh, leave at the end of the seventh. On the contrary, the Cubs are a little bit flatter, where they have several pitchers pitch one inning, one and a half innings, two innings, even two and a half innings. And it looks as if the way the Cubs deployed their bullpen, as we know, as we watched all season and even predating 2023, they used guys in multi-inning roles. Even Michael Fulmer, who bridged at times the seventh inning to the ninth inning, who bridged the sixth inning to the eighth inning. Before Alzali became your hard-nosed closer in the summer, he bridged also the fifth inning to the seventh inning for, at the time, Boxberger and Fulmer. So the Cubs have had the capacity and the willingness to go multiple innings, whereas from Milwaukee's perspective, they've been basically one and done. And now the question is, why does that happen? Is that a philosophical issue or a difference? Is that a roster design intentional difference? And ultimately, what does Kirk Council have to say in how the roster is shaped? And if those in-game preferences for one-game outings, if they even exist and not are just a byproduct of random development, if that changes how they go out through through the offseason. There was a time in the press conference when Castle was mentioned, and he said, I'm going to push Jed, he's going to push me, right? A very Dansby's going to push both. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> a very big difference between the two organizations has been how Milwaukee's used their bullpen. And to their credit, they've been way better than the Cubs at doing this. And to point at that graph here, as I showed, to say, oh, well, you know, Milwaukee's had better starting pitching depth. That is true. And there's a lot of reasons for that happening. But at the same time, it's not the sole explanation. Milwaukee had only one guy throw over 170 innings last year, and that was Corbin Burns. The Cubs had four starting pitchers throw more than 130 innings. They weren't getting shelled every fifth day, despite some of our bad memories. They intentionally used Hayden Wesneski from the fifth inning to the eighth inning at times. He blew games in Colorado as a result going into the fifth inning. They intentionally took Smiley out of the rotation, partially because he was bad, but also simultaneously because they had no help in the bullpen. He pitched towards uh, late August, September 
two innings, three innings, four innings. Yeah, one of the best relievers, even later in the game. So it's not all to say that, oh, the reason we see this is because of bullpen games, even though that was one of the reasons, it appears as if the roster was designed by Milwaukee to be optimally used in short bursts, where you only have one to two guys capable of going multiple innings. Now, does that change how... Craig Council wants the Cubs to approach the offseason. Maybe he wants to spend money on Hayter. Maybe he wants to shore up that top-level depth at the rotation where then you can space people out and not have a guy like Javier Saad go three innings. You can use him in a one-inning role. Maybe Council wants to say, hey, Wisniewski, your days starting are over. You're going to max out 98-99 with that white bus ladder. You are now a reliever. Goodbye starting. Keegan Thompson, same thing. No more three-inning rolls. You are a max effort guy in one inning. Those are the differences I'm curious about, if they even exist, because that is such a stark difference. You can't just chalk it up to just randomness. That's an intentional philosophical change from a roster design perspective, and also I do think a managerial willingness to do that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting. I think that was one of the things that I've expressed over the years I didn't really care for. You um, from day one, you've hated yeah, that. I, and to be and fair, it, I liked it. I really did. Well, and I and I I have given David Ross credit for I think the usage of certain guys to see if they could do it, right? Because then they did end up finding out certain things about certain guys, right? And that was necessary. You have to put them through those paces to figure those things out. But I did feel like there were a lot of times where it's like, this, like, why is Michael Rucker pitching a second inning? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I, how many outs are we going to try to squeeze out of some of these guys, right? Even like, and Dylan, some of that is even like Dylan Maples back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like some of some of that, as you mentioned, is roster construction, right? It You're is. trying to get as many outs with whoever you got, and it's not. There's in a lot of times there wasn't better options, right? But. It, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all blends because I think you're hearing the rumors because I think it makes sense. You have to give counsel better tools. I think you trust him to use them better. Like I think he uses even last year's roster better than Ross does. Obviously, I think that, right? I think yeah. counsel's better than Ross. I know that. Well, so it's for an office. Right. But <laughs> – that doesn't mean that you just say, all right, Craig, we're going to give you a turd and you shine it up for us, yeah. right? Like that's not, that's a, a terrible way to operate, right? So it's going to be fascinating to see how you kind of bridge that anecdotally, right? And I'm sure the metrics back this up because they've been better than the Cubs for several years. But like when we watch those matchups, you always felt like they were just much smarter in those booths. When they were going to the bullpen, you felt like there was a real meticulous design for what was happening. You felt right? you were screwed when pretty much council yeah. came out to the mound. You yeah. thought that was it? Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they they obviously showed over the years a an extreme ability to perform well in those close, tight high leverage situations. We saw yeah. it time and time again, the way that they operated, they go up two to nothing. Like they have a roadmap for how that game ends two to nothing. Right. And that's just not a way that we've seen the Cubs operator kind of like had the confidence in them to operate. Now to get there, you have to do everything we've talked about in this show. You have to, it starts with the rotation, right? Right. 
you have to have people that eat innings and eat innings reliably. You need stars, of course. We've talked about that relentlessly. But at the same time, the Cubs had so many of those short starts that just destroy your bullpen, right? So it starts there and then it moves to the bullpen. You need reliable guys. You need some guys that have been there, done that before. You can't just ask everybody on the team to step up and fulfill a role that they've never fulfilled before. We said it all the time, but like a remarkable job by guys like Alzali, Mark Leiter Jr. and Julian Merriweather to be as good as they were for as long as they were, right? Because that's just not the roles that they had previously occupied in their career, right? And it was the front office's fault for not giving them more support and not forecasting properly that that was not something you could just rely on for however long the season went. Right? Even Jeff said that. It. He said that to the yeah. media that, you know, yeah. partially you paid for it. So you yeah. had, so it'll be very fascinating to see how council operates differently from Ross. And I think you highlighted some of that, but obviously it starts, you have to give him the tools to operate at his best, right? There was some belief before Council was a manager that he would be like a Chris Young, like a Chris Getz, a front office executive. And in some way, when you listen to Council speak, he comes off as a front office executive, the way he talks, the 52-48 percentile, stacking good decisions upon good decisions. It would be kind of foolish to not expect that his input to the front office is weighed oh, yeah. more than David Ross's. No offense to David Ross, but the the belief that Council could have been a front office executive kind of suggests that he's going to have more influence. Yeah. And from, a, from Jed's perspective, why would you not want more influence and perspective from guys sure. you trust like Kirk Council? So will there be a deliberate change in philosophy at the free agent level or in trade discussions as a result of current counsel. I don't know for sure, but I would be willing to bet it does. It has to. The manager and front office input and the exchanges between the two have to influence ultimately the decisions that are going to be made. And if we look at, bring this full circle, how Josh Hader was developed, he was called up and his season in 20, 2018 his first full season, he pitched 55 games and threw 82 innings. Then those number of innings started to shrink per outing. By 2019, 75 innings and 61 starts. Fewer innings, more outings. Ultimately, after the COVID season, 58 innings and 60 outings. He then became that one-and-done type pitcher. With haters' belief prior to him becoming a closer, that he could be a shutdown starting pitcher because of his low release point, because of his, because of his fastball, similar to that Chris uh, uh, Sale-type mold. Council was the one guy who deployed him in short burst. So if anyone had the potential to be a multi-inning fireman guy, it would have been Hater, and Craig Council turned him into a one-and-done guy. So that, to me, says does suggest that there is going to be a little bit of a philosophical change. He sometimes pitch multi-innings, but I know. He did, but we're talking, Corey, 55 outings, 82 innings, 
By three years later, 60 outings, 58 innings is a massive shrink. Yeah. So it does, that's not how he was used when he was called up. Well, and I, you know, again, like uh, this is anecdotal. I'm not combing through the Brewers game logs right now. It right? sounds but like I, you I are. also feel like you saw them have a really good sense of like in the years where they had Hader or the years where they, you know, now have Devin Williams. I feel like they always had a very good sense of like, this is a Williams game. And here's the amount of runs we need to where he's no longer pitching in this game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you always felt like they're not wasting these outings from these guys. Like they know exactly when they need to be used to win and shut down a game. And if it goes out of that range, they're using, you know, Brent Suter, right? Yeah. Who I think's available and maybe somebody that Can we stop at. bringing over all these Milwaukee guys? <laughs> Just like one or two is enough, okay? Well... Some of them were good. I mean, we deserve to reap the benefit of whatever, um, you know, devil we do deserve we're working it. with up there, don't we? We do deserve it. So but are you yeah, saying you I mean, want thinking, Christian Yelich? No. <sighs> okay. Oh, no. I would, that, I would, that, I think he's the player they would trade that I would have the most tweets to delete. I have a better arm than Christian Yelich. And the numbers back it up, by the way. I never, I never told you about this. My vertical carry oh, is 20. I don't know how I never mentioned this. I was in a pitch lap. Over I Thanksgiving. Saw I follow you on Twitter. I know. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's also known as X, by the way, not Twitter. Um, mm, that's so okay. I'm told. I have 23 inches of carry on my fastball. This is a legitimate track man centered thing. This is not, not make believe. My four seam fastball has more carry. You ready for this? Than Tyler Glasnow. Okay. I'm available. I'll pitch for free if you need me. I have more carry than most pitchers in Major League Baseball. That is a fact. And I hit well. So I'm saying the next Shohei Otani. You look at my swing. I'll stop right here because I can see your face. But if you look at my swing, it's pretty good, actually. I have a great swing. And people have said I, that, too. Yeah. Listen, I was just anyway. going to say. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, I've talked to you basically every day for seven years. Yeah. Listen, man, like, you know, game on the line, NLCS. I can't give Put you the me ball. In. I can't trust you. You're nuts. Have you seen my swing? It's not about that. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can handle it. I'm going to start crying. What about me says I can't handle the moment? You love If you played for any other team, maybe. But not the Cubs. You love them too much. It would all be on your shoulders. I don't think you could handle You're right. I would probably walk out to that mound. I would get vertigo. And knowing a- that Cody and then Ryan and Luke and I are on a post-game show talking about you blowing a game in Colorado, right? You're going to live with that? And talking about how I say Palatine. The, <laughs> that's worse yeah. than me blowing the game, by the way. <laughs> Just saying. Um, anyway. But I, you know, I, I was, I was going to follow up on your point about like, as we wrap up here, like Ross and, and council, like, obviously we never know, right? Like we don't know these things, but there was this perception that he was sort of a, a yes man, if you will, that was hired by the front office because they knew him and they knew they could con- control is, is I think the wrong word, but someone Project that was not their influence. Yes. They were yes. someone that was not going to step too much out of line because they gave him an opportunity that right away, at least nobody else was going to give him. And they've known him for a long time, et cetera, et cetera. I think you transit, if that was true, right. And that's a very like surface level way of looking at it. Right. But you've now transitioned to like, I think council is probably the furthest thing from that. And so it feels like you kind of went from like, okay, we want our influence, our decisions, and somebody to kind of implement that to, okay, we kind of want some of that, but also someone that 
knows what they're doing and has a very clear idea of how he needs to win baseball games and what we need to do to support him in that. So it does feel obviously, in addition to the other shifts, like that particular shift um, feels like a pretty significant one. Um, yeah. especially like they were talking about him being involved maybe in some of these free agent pitches, things like that. Yeah, like what I mean. it just, it, it seems like it's, if that was true, that Ross was just sort of like a guy to follow orders, if you will, this is not that right. So it's going to be different in, in that capacity. They like hired- you said, he's going to, they're going to push each other. And I really believe them when they say that, because I council seems like a guy who has very specific ideas about what he needs from a yeah. player perspective to win baseball. Games. It sounds like they have an assistant GM in the dugout. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, which, two of them. Who's the other one? Dansby. Oh, that's right. Of course. But I don't know that Dansby's (laughs) like input is council probably has sheets and graphs and all this other stuff, right? Dansby has that. I think Dansby. I've seen him with that iPad. I've seen him with the iPad. He's got. He feels like more of a like he's waiting in Jed's office, going like, "How do we get better today? You know, where'd you spend money today? Right? Like pointing (laughs) to his watch, like, "Let's go, man." Yeah, pushing each other in different ways. You know, who's my third baseman? Who am I throwing to at first base? Let's go, dude. You know. So uh, Javi Baez, perhaps? No? No, please. I know. We talked know. about this I know. Wednesday, I know you man. did. I, I listened to you guys. No, I know. Like, why? No. no. It's nostalgia. Everyone loves nostalgia. And, you that, have to. and Cody, I think Cody brought this up on the show on Wednesday. How did that work out for everybody with Jake Arrieta? Don't do that. You don't want it. I kind of, but I did at the moment. I do not, man. I, so in the last couple of minutes, talking yeah. about this seriously, right? Even if Detroit ate the whole contract... He is a black hole on offense at this point. Why Why would the Cubs add that? I don't understand. His contact rate's good. It's gone up. I'm not, uh, listen, I'm just like being sarcastic here. If you want to unequivocally put yourself in a position of success, then you need a confident projection. So with Javi, he's all over the place. We, we always knew that. But my <laughs> when I projected Javi as a 31, 32-year-old, I thought the contact would be non-existent. I thought he'd be whiffing every other pitch, and I thought he'd be slugging, playing softball out there. This is the complete opposite. So I don't know what's going on with Javi. I hope he succeeds. You know, it's it's, Listen, it's actually that one pitching ninja video of him swinging you know, at those sliders in the other like his contact rate like, is yeah. up. It's, huh? it's his contact rate is up though. That's the weird thing about that. So I all right. Listen. So Brendan really wants Javi Baez. That's no, your takeaway. No, no, I'm not saying that. What does he do? Like 85 more million or something like that for four years, five years? I think that's what it is. I don't know because I didn't not entertain this at all. Nostalgia not is not good. Just not a good idea. So sometimes nostalgia can be good. They could have, they should have brought back Matt, Matt Murren in 2016. He was in the organization. Please talk about that. You're like obsessed with that. Because they, dude, they called up nonsensical players and they played nonsensical players in 2016. Yeah. I don't know. Matt Murren was right there. I just want a one at bat. One at bat. They let Rizzo pitch multiple times. Call the up only Matt Murren. nostalgia Byrne. anybody should be entertaining is John Lester could DH, I think. That would game. be, that would one be game. next level. Some say. He was the original Shohei Otani with that yeah. lefty swing. They let Luis Torrens DH last year. You could let John. Lester Who is that again? I, like I forgot Luis Torrens even existed. Who knows? Can you believe they did this stuff? No. I mean, this really. is like this is what I'm talking about. Like, come on, clean this up. Well, now. he had that one like good three week sample that one time. Who else? Did we have Edwin Rios who played like what yeah. three I games? I like that signing. To be honest, well, they didn't use him, so no, it didn't that's even true. exist. Remember Jose yeah. Martinez? He never got one base hit. I think we traded for him in like what 2020, the COVID year. Not one base hit. 
He kills us on the Cardinals, comes over to the Cubs. Incredible. Terrible. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> really it's crazy Good how that memories. happens. Good memories. Good memories. <laughs> Isn't this fun, everybody? Oh, Talking Cubs. God. Go Cubs, go. <laughs> what a ride we've been yeah. on. All right. Can I do this ad right. break here? I'll turn it back over to you. Yes. Okay. Uh, I would like some bread right now, Corey. Some hero bread. Founder Cole Glass baked 100 muffins per day before he found the perfect blend that fit his allergy constraints. That's what pushed him to start Hero Bread. The big feature of Hero Bread is it's high fiber, ultra low net carbs, and zero sugar per slice. And discount code for your first purchase can be used by using CHGO, which gives you 10% off at hero.co. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, even tortillas that are available on hero.co or Amazon. It has fewer calories than the leading national brand and also has 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the CHGO fam 10% off your first order. Just go to hero.co, use code CHGO, that rhymes, to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% off today using CHGO. Nailed it. I know. I'll tell you, I heard Luke describe a sandwich he made with hero bread one time. I was sold. Had to get some myself. It's delicious. He I was right. Some. Always I mean, trust Stucky is ten, my motto. He's well, never for, led me astray. So not far. for everything. So. Most things, not everything. Yeah, most things. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is what we have for you this week. I'm, I, I need Brendan. We need like a move, right? Because I admittedly, I... I ju- Be careful I, what I you wish for. Like, huh? Be careful what you wish for. You know, yeah, there could be maybe. a lot of bad moves. That's all I'll say. I just need something concrete to discuss, right? Like talking about a bunch of guys that may never ever play. I for the like Chicago doing Cubs. this though. I like this. It's why? fun to imagine. That's why. Here's why. Here's why I like this. Is December. There's no stress on my TV, no baseball games. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes I dislike it. Right now, I like it. I like living this imaginary Cubs life. It gives me a lot of fun without the stress for right now. And one week from now, your stress will be through the roof. This is what's going to happen. Juan Soto to the Yankees. That's going to throw you off the cliff if I know you. Shoei Otani, rumors come up to the Dodgers. You're dead. That's it. 2024 is over if you don't get one or two of those guys. that's I know how you operate. So for right now, I'm going to drink my wine. I'm going to dream of Tyler Glasnow and Yamamoto and Shohei Otani on the Cubs. Let me live my life. This is the best time of year. That in late February. There you go. Yeah. You heard it here first. So, of course, keep it tuned to the CHGO Cubs social feeds uh and of course the cheo sports youtube we will have all of your coverage for the winter meetings which are coming up just in a few days here uh our guy ryan herrera will have great written content over at allchgo.com as we've said before anything of significance happens and i think at this point we're all like kind of chomping at the bit for it so like I mean anything right <laughs> like i think we're doing an emergency show just because we want to talk about a signing but 
the real stuff goes down, I promise, some portion of our team, you guys know our team, uh, will be live on YouTube to break things down as quickly as humanly possible. We I have still even want that like 1 a.m. sign. That's what I was going to say. I'm we even, for it. Like, if it's during the day, I would imagine we'll be live within five minutes yeah. of something happening, maybe even less. If it's like late. I'm up. We, what I mean when I say CHGO Cubs will do it, we have contingency plans in place, right? As Brendan told you guys, I'm on his do not disturb list. I can wake this man up and we will do a live show for you guys. In a bad mood, probably. Oh, if a short time, I'd be in a great mood. Probably gets up around four in the morning, right? These days. So maybe there's crossover. We're half asleep and he's just waking up for the day. I don't know. (laughs) Could you imagine Luke at 4 a.m.? Yeah. Luke, you gotta get on the air. They signed Otani. What? <laughs> oh my! I would love to see Luke yeah. on that for him. Do it from bed. Oh. We gotta go live. Oh, I can just see the eyes right now, just yeah. like wide awake. The point being, we have you covered. I promise, we have you covered. Great written content, live shows. We have you covered for the winter meetings. We have you covered for this whole off season and any big things that are breaking. We will go live as quickly as humanly possible. So we appreciate your support. Brendan and I will talk to you next Friday. Uh, hopefully we've got some something going on, some more stuff, or maybe we'll just have more rumors. I mean, and- honestly, gosh, Shohei may sign by next week. I'm being serious here. Yeah, I, I mean, that. it's totally possible. So we'll see. We'll have you covered for it all. As always, we're in this together. And I'll say before the winter meetings, last thing, remember, the off season doesn't end until... It, until it's over, oh, right? Stop it. Stop I'm, it. Listen, I'm just saying, this is a reminder for myself. Yeah, you're right? just projecting right now. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of moves. There's a lot of avenues. Yeah. One thing doesn't go the Cubs way, or it does go the Cubs way. Like that, an off season doesn't make. They need more than one player, no matter what. So let it play out. You got to let Jed cook. Some of the meals he served us in the past, not very good. Maybe <laughs> shouldn't have let him cook. But in this case, maybe, uh, I don't know. We trust him again. We're giving him another shot, right? Sure. This is his last chance in Hell's Kitchen. Honestly, it might be his last. It actually might be. No, I think it really might be. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Anyway. All right. I've been watching a lot of Gordon Ramsay. I can tell. That's what it is. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you had a good holiday last week. Hope you're having a good holiday season, however you celebrate it or don't celebrate it. Hope you're well. Thank you guys for tuning in. Brendan and I will talk to you next week. Appreciate your support of the CHDO Cubs podcast. Talk to you again next week. And as always, go Cubs. We all silly like the mayor. 